Just curious, many of you folks make New Year's resolutions? Okay, everybody, if, if you've ever made a New Year's resolution, and if you could think of a specific resolution, if you've ever made a resolution, could you just raise your hand? And this is not for me, so it's not a joke. But if you've made a New Year's resolution, okay, all the people who've made a New Year's resolution, you're thinking about one, got your hand up? Okay, now, if you were able to keep that resolution, keep your hand up. Does anybody in this room have their hand up right now? Oh, good for you, oh man. Congratulations. I'm no good with resolutions. Okay, not my forte at all. Some of the more popular New Year's resolutions, right? Lose weight. Get in shape. Stop smoking. Right? For the followers of God, maybe you want to read your Bible more. Maybe you'd like to develop your time with God in some way. And I find, perhaps broadly speaking, our you know, desire to improve really kind of naturally at this time of year, there's kind of a melding of kind of reflecting on the year that has passed and looking ahead to the year that's coming. And it just makes sense that we would be a little more reflective and thinking about what we would like to change or improve. So it made sense at the start, the first Sunday of 2020, to say, What could we learn from God's Word that might help us? Because broadly speaking, resolutions kind of maybe have two categories I can think of. One would be the things I would like to start doing, and the other would be the things I would like to stop doing. And if we delve into the things that we would like to stop doing, well, that's where it could get really, really dicey for me. Because usually the things that I want to stop doing, especially when I'm talking about my relationship with God, they touch on more sensitive areas. I have confessed to you guys before that I need to work on my patience. My family are all nodding their head in agreement. (laughs) Some of you can relate. Some of you... Have other, you have other things. You, maybe you'd like to clean up your language a little bit, right? Maybe, you know, you would like to stop losing your temper. Maybe you'd like to stop looking at pornography. And here's the real crux of it for us. Resolutions, by and large, fail. The statistics are abysmal. Like Something like 90% of resolutions are, are broken in the first week or so. And if you're in a place where you wanted to stop doing something, and you're like, I am struggling, and I'm wrestling with this, and I am not finding success, it could get pretty discouraging. And you might even begin to wonder about your walk with God if you have not been successful in some of the things that you would like to do or not do. 
it can get to the point where you might even begin to wonder, what about God's power? How come I can't be victorious in this area of my life? Why aren't I more successful? What's going on with me? Anybody relate? And the thing is, is that God has given us the truth of his word. And yet sometimes all we end up feeling is just kind of crushed or defeated. But the great news is that there is hope for 2020. There are things that we can actually do that will improve our chances of growth and success as we endeavor to follow God, to walk with him more closely. And the other great news is they're not necessarily all that complicated. They're just hard sometimes. But if we pay attention, I believe that there is a way forward for us this morning. And you'll find it actually in an odd little parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 13. So I think that's around page 847 if you want to look at it with us this morning. And Luke chapter 13, um, we're going to start around verse 6, but there's a few verses that lead up to this that are interesting, kind of the first few verses of Luke chapter 13, where we hear a little story that we don't get anywhere else in the Gospels, where some people are talking to Jesus about some really, really tragic events that have taken place. Horrific things. And it kind of sounds like they're asking themselves, why did these bad things happen? What's going on? Why is this such a mess? And, you know, were these people who had these terrible things happen to them really bad because these terrible events happened to them? Now, that could be a whole sermon into itself, but the reason I just bring up these first couple of verses is because what we see Jesus doing in response to these these questions about these circumstances, about the terrible tragedy, about the collapse of a tower that killed a bunch of people. Jesus says to the people who are asking these questions, no, these people weren't any worse than the rest of you. They weren't greater sinners. But, he says, unless you repent, you will also perish. And it's that but unless part that is really critical to understanding this because we see all kinds of opportunity to get sidetracked and distracted by other things that are going on. And Jesus could have gone with these folks down a rabbit trail to talk about what was problematic about the situation, the circumstances, how terrible Pilate was, how tragic it all is. But Jesus remains focused and on point. And what he is communicating clearly to the people that he's talking to here and to us is that what is most important here is not to get sidetracked with these issues, but to remember that unless you repent, you will perish as well. And 
it's interesting because, you know, it, it, we're talking about repentance, turning away from sin. And Lloyd said last week, he mentioned sin, and he said, you know, it's not a popular topic. And we were at Gene Fisher's funeral on Friday, and uh, David said, you know, when he was talking about the gospel, he said he mentioned sin, and he said it's not a very popular topic. And I think the last time, I think when Brent was speaking on Colossians, he talked about sin, and he said, hey, it's not a popular topic. And I'm here going like, hey, guys, sin. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a popular topic. But it is a fundamental for us to remember, as Jesus is reminding us, that first and foremost, we need to repent. We need to turn away from sin. And for most of you, that isn't new. You you understand that. You get it. But it still leaves us in this place of, yeah, but what, what, what what am I missing? Why am I not succeeding? Why is this so hard? Why do I keep struggling and failing? And Jesus goes on to tell this little parable that at first glance to me seems really peculiar. It, it, it almost feels like it's, it's out of place in, 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 this, in this conversation. When Jesus talks about repentance, he talks about a man who has a fig tree. Verse 6, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit growing on it, but it did not have any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I will dig around and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, fine. Then cut it down. What does that have to do with the topic at hand? Well, in Jesus' unique way, he's using this parable as a metaphor And it actually contains kind of what I think are the three key elements for growth and change that you would find supported elsewhere throughout Scripture, but in a very neat and tidy little way, Jesus describes what the fundamental core elements are for us to be able to grow in our relationship with God and to be successful in growing. So we've got the fig tree, the metaphor for your life. Do you ever feel like that fig tree? For three years now, I've been trying. I want to produce this good fruit, but it's not happening. I would venture a guess that for some of us, there is a level of frustration. Because maybe it's been more than three years, right? And it's not producing. Something's not right. So the landowner says, you know what? I'm tired of waiting for this. Let's just cut it down. 
Why should it waste the soil, right? But the, the man who took care of the vineyard, he said, let me, let me try something first. Let's, let's just try something. And there's these three things that, that I want to do. I want to dig around. I want to add some fertilizer. And let's just give it a year and see what happens. And I would suggest to you that these three elements are the essential core of what is required for us to grow. If you want to be successful in 2020 in growing in your relationship with God and overcoming areas of your life where you, where, where you are wanting to overcome sin, that these are three things that can help us to move forward. The first one, digging. And we can equate this with God's truth, God's word. What does it mean to dig around, right? To expose things. I am not a gardener, no kind of horticulturalist at all. I have nothing of a green thumb. But I know that when you dig around and you loosen the soil and you kind of root things up and expose the metaphor for life, Right? Is that we can we, we, we need to we need to do some hard work and some exploration and some digging around in order for us to get to the root of the problem. Because sometimes the issue that presents isn't the issue at all. Right? Sometimes what's going on needs a closer, deeper look in order to understand what's happening. For those that, you know, so, so, somebody, somebody the, 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 that might eat too much, you might, you might see the, the, the surface level symptom is eating too much, overeating, habitually or compulsively overeating. But usually there's something behind that. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to talk to a Christian counselor or a pastor, somebody that we can dig in with sometimes and, and pray and really get down to the root of what's going on. And God's truth, right, is, is contained in his word. The word is like often a metaphor uh, of a mirror. You've heard before how it reflects and shows us. And so we can use God's word as a, as, a, as a guide for helping us to dig, to understand, to see what's wrong with us. And of course, the real challenge is the, the truth has to be applied. I was thinking about, you know, like if you look at your car's owner's manual, it will probably tell you that you should change the oil every X number of kilometers. Now, I'm not a mechanic, but I know that if you ignore that and you never change the oil in your car, something bad's going to happen, right? So just knowing the truth isn't enough. The truth has to be applied. The application of truth. We call that wisdom, right? The application of knowledge. So we can dig around. But people often stop with that knowledge. And, and I, I was reminded, it was John chapter 8. Um, most of you 
folks will, will be able to repeat this because you know this, right? The truth will... Right. But do you realize that that's not everything that Jesus said there? John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, right? The important part. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my truth, if you put into practice if you are really my disciples, if you put this into practice, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth has to be applied. Now, the other thing that the caretaker said was we need to add fertilizer. And fertilizer is something that comes from outside that a plant needs because a plant, again, not that I'm a green thumb, but I understand this. A plant cannot produce what it needs for life. Right? That's not my phone, which is odd because mine sounds like that. Um, That a plant cannot produce. So, like, a plant needs the sun. It needs water. It needs nutrients from the soil in order to survive. All of these things are external to the plant. The plant cannot produce them. And the caretaker says that we need, you know, that in order for this fig tree to produce, it needs fertilizer. And that's like what God's grace is like. Because God supplies grace, which is something that we can't produce on our own. Right? When, when God paid the debt for our sins, think about it this way. If you owed a billion dollars, you could not pay that debt. There's no way, no amount of time, not going to happen. Can't be done. But God paid that debt. Right? So if we don't have it, we need it. God gives it to us. His grace. That is the exterior thing that we do not possess on our own that we need. Now, what I found interesting about grace is we tend to think of it mostly just in terms of God's forgiveness. But what if there's more to grace? What if there's more that God can provide for us that is outside ourselves? And we studied 1 Peter not that long ago. And 1 Peter 4 and 10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What does that mean? Faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Have you ever really thought for a moment that you could be a steward of God's grace in its various forms? Think about what I need that's outside of me in order to be successful. Let's go back to the example of pornography. That's a fun topic. Okay, if somebody has struggled 
and they lack self-discipline, how are they going to overcome? If you don't have self-discipline, what happens is we end up looking for something that we don't have, perhaps a self-discipline that we are lacking. And we pray to God, God, please give me strength. Give me what I need that I don't have. And we get frustrated because it never seems to come. What if God has already provided that for you in the body of Christ? What if you were to come to a fellow believer and say, I am struggling in this area and I am lacking discipline. Could you lend me some? Could you help hold me accountable? And if you came to me and asked me and I said, yeah, you know what? Actually, I do. I'm, I'm good there. I've got some self-discipline in that area and I would be willing to lend you some of my discipline. I will meet with you regularly to help with accountability. We can install software on your phone or your computer and help keep you on track. But the problem is, is that most of us avoid that because of pride we don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own, and we don't want to confess our sins to others because we're afraid of what people will think of us. And we avoid reaching out for the grace that God has already provided in the body where we are stewards of that grace, as First Peter said to one another, where we could be helping each other and we end up suffering in isolation just like the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to be isolated. He wants you to feel like you're in it alone. And we, we have to be very careful here. There's this idea that our, our, our salvation is an individual decision. Yes. Right? The old saying was, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Right? That, that the choice we make to follow Jesus is an individual choice. But we are not called to do that alone. And what if the grace you have been praying for... Anybody remember the story of the guy the helicopter or the flood? Remember that one? Guy's sitting on his roof. The water's rising. Somebody comes by in a canoe. Come on. And he said, no, God's going to save me. Guy comes by in a motorboat. Says, come on. God, the guy says, no, God's going to save me. You know that one? Helicopter comes along to rescue him. He says, no, God is going to save me. Right? Eventually, he drowns. When he gets to heaven, he says, God, what happened? He says, I don't know. I sent a boat, a canoe, and a helicopter. What if the, the, the grace that you are seeking is actually sitting next to you or two or three pews over? That the potential for us as the body of Christ to help one another in this coming year. Have I beat that point to death yet? Probably. Probably. The other thing is time. The keeper of the ground says, just give it one more year. Here's the thing. No, change doesn't happen instantaneously. Yes, there are times when God works miracles, but mostly he uses other means of our growth and process of purification and becoming 
like Jesus takes time, and growth takes time. And if we're wanting to rush into it, you're going to be disappointed. We need to allow time. But we don't have unlimited time. In this case, he says, give it a year. Whatever that period of time is that we call life, we only have a finite amount of time. We can't wait forever. But we cannot expect an instantaneous change. I I borrowed a lot of the thoughts that I've had. I've already shared this with a number of you. There's a wonderful series on Right Now Media by a Christian psychologist named Dr. Henry Cloud. And if you want to dig deeper into stuff like this, uh, we can hook you up with a Right Now Media account free of charge from the church. And uh, you could look at that study in more detail. But the real question this morning is, if you want to grow, if you want to change, are you willing and ready to do what it takes? Are you willing to look, to dig deeply with the truth of God's word? Are you willing and ready to look for God's grace in its various forms as it's stewarded by your fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus? Are you willing to put in the time to see the transformation happen? And if that is how you're feeling at the start of 2020, then the good news is when you're doing this reflective process at the end of the year, you can look back and say, wow, what a year. There was growth. There was transformation. There was change. There was fruit produced. And God has provided for us what we need. Isn't that amazing? Think about the opportunity that you have to grow. Think about the opportunity you have to help others grow. I would like to think that that's exciting. I would like to think that's encouraging. Is it a little scary? Yeah. But this is the challenge that is before us right now, is are we willing to embrace this opportunity that God's given us? I invite the worship team to come back. Father God, thank you so much for your word and the truth it contains. I pray that it would sink deep in our hearts today, that we would explore the opportunities to grow and to become more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.